Hello and welcome to this episode of Shoulder to Shoulder, where we strive to grow in love of the Lord and each other. I'm Megan Silas. And I am Pam Marvin. And we are super excited to be back talking with each other. So excited. Exploring things of the Lord together. Yeah, we had a little bit more of a break than we normally do. You know, We did. Yeah. And so for those of you who follow our Facebook page, you actually got to see the reason for that break. So Pam, would you like to talk a little bit about why it was a little longer than usual? You mean my new granddaughter? Yes, yes. I do mean your new granddaughter. Ivy Roslyn Hall, born May 30th um, to Brandon and Mary, my second daughter. It's her third child. And I um, had been planning to go on the 31st, which was her due date all along. Mm -hmm. And she came on the 30th. So I came the day after she was born and spent a week entertaining the big kids, much to my delight. I was made to be a grandmother. <laughs> it was wonderful. And nothing really cool is that they live on the block with St. Peter's in Karen Crow, Louisiana. Oh, love. It was really great. So I got to go to adoration every day while the kids napped to kind of recharge my spiritual batteries as I'm running the rest of the time, but with joy and love. Hopefully I did with joy and love. Yeah. Well, that is awesome. It was so good. beautiful. And can, you know, I've often wondered having children myself, but not being in the place where I have grandchildren yet. Mm-hmm. How do you experience that differently? Like that experience of being with children that are your grandchildren mm-hmm. um, at a different stage in life, yep, a different yep. level of responsibility. How, what is that like for you? You know, the responsibility level doesn't feel dramatically different, but I am just a part-timer while I'm in the mm-hmm. situation. Um, but I notice that just me as a person, because the age that I am, is very, very patient. And my life experience with five kids has really helped me to parse out what's important, what's not, you know, when the kids do stuff, you know, like Mm -hmm. I am such, I've always been, I was always that kind of mom that loved my kids to explore and play, get dirty, do all this kind of thing. So I have a very high tolerance for just shenanigans, Mm. you know, (laughs) shenanigans. I do. I do. And we had such fun. We had such a great time. Highlight definitely me alone with the two, um, the two and four year old at the zoo. We had a zoo close by and we just had a ball. It was so fun. That's great. Also because I have fond memories of going to the zoo with my grandmother. Ah, that's so you're creating a tradition. Yeah. I just remember, I just started thinking about the things that were so fun that I did with my, I had one grandmother that was like, this is the kind of grandma I want to be. Cause she was so, such a great grandmother. That's we always, we never stayed home. We always traveled. We always went camping or did something. It was mm-hmm. a, she's a doer. Right. And I want to be that kind of grandma. That's fun. So I find it interesting that you made a point saying that at this stage in life, you are more patient Yeah, because that is actually going to be the main nice topic segue. of today. <laughs> so um, in our last episode, uh, we talked about how we wanted to discuss more deeply the beautiful words of St. Paul in Corinthians. First Corinthians 13. Exactly. And so we want to really, we just felt like it was such a, there's so much depth in that can be discussed in kind of really taking each of those concepts that he outlines in what love is to a deeper level. And this kind of came about as we were talking, we went through the series where we discussed uh, the four theological virtues. 
excuse me, three feel, three theological virtues of faith, hope, and love. She's added one, folks. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I have the authority to add a theological virtue, actually. But okay. um, so, so, you know, as it relates to love, you know, that this, this part um, of First Corinthians 13 really lays out what love right. is. And so we thought, what a great way to to dive into this idea even more by doing a whole series of shows going through those. So, Pam, you're going to read it for us, right? Yes, I am. And I want to say one of the reasons I was so very drawn to it is because this is one of the scripture quotes that embodies beauty. I mean, this is so beautiful that we long for this type of love in our hearts and our souls. Mm-hmm. That being said, it is 1 Corinthians 13, four through seven. Love is patient. Love is kind. It's not jealous. Love is not pompous. It is not inflated. It is not rude. It does not seek its own interest. It is not quick tempered. It does not brood over injury and it does not rejoice over wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things and endures all things. Amen. Amen. Yeah, I think it's really important that you said how the beauty of this passage does resonate with mm. people. I, I would hazard to guess that most people, even if they are anti-Christian, do not give any credence to the Bible at all, would hear these words and think, that's that's beautiful. That, yes. that, is, that is something I would desire yeah. in my life yes. mm-hmm. to receive. Right. Something that, you know, maybe I would I would strive to give, but also would hear it and think, and yet that's hard, right? And, and I think, interestingly, love is a big topic in this month that we're recording this podcast mm-hmm. in June, as it is... The Sacred Heart of Jesus. The Sacred Heart of Jesus. It's the month of the Sacred Heart, which really brings to mind Christ's great love for us. But then we also have this secular sort of juxtaposition of the gay pride stuff that, you know, has been claimed for June, which says, you got to honor love as we see it. And so that can be confusing for people because, say, for example, you do have, you know, a homosexual relationship that seems to embody these virtues. And yet. Does it really? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I hear rejoices in the truth are we living in the truth of who god created us to be right you know that's that's something that has to be part of it right and so it's not it's not simply about the feelings that we get as we experience human relationship and the blessings that often come with close intimate human relationship but it's also combining that with a a, an understanding of who we really are made to be who and God's designs for our lives and trying to live out love in such a way that's in accord with those things. Exactly. And just to kind of give a little bit more backup to why we're doing this section is as she was reading it during that podcast um, off afterwards, she said, there's just so much to unpack here. Mm-hmm. And so we thought we'd take it and break it down and just kind of, chew on the beauty that is this scripture. Right. So I think we've kind of plotted it out. We're going to combine a few of the words because we feel like they sort of encapsulate a similar concept. And it's actually going to end up being 
eight episodes on That's just right. these yeah. verses uh, of four through seven. Crazy. And so, but I honestly, I have no concern that we're going to not have enough material to right. cover uh, those episodes. And so as it famously begins, love is patient. Yes, Megan. And so that begs the question, well, what exactly is patience? And one of the things that's really standing out to me right now as we begin this episode is the juxtaposition of patience as a virtue, but then there's also the type of, oh, I'm going to be patient with them in their vice. Mm. Like I'm going to overlook it. I just have to be patient right. and not let them bother me uh-huh. with their amorality or, or whatever, just fill in the blanks. Uh-huh. So that's not true patience, right? The patience, the virtuous kind leads us to a greater understanding of God's love. Yeah. And I was remembering as I was preparing for this episode that, and I don't remember what previous episode it was. I wish I could reference y'all back to it. But I remember talking about the concept of patience once before and talking about how the Latin root of the word patience, patior, is suffering. And that the term patience implies that there's some suffering that's going to happen as you're enduring something. Mm -hmm. And that, I think, sometimes gets lost because a lot of times... We want to be patient, but we don't want it to feel hard. Right, right. I have a very good example that's coming to mind oh, right I love now. It. Let's hear it. Yeah, so that kind of um, patient suffering, the most beautiful way I can think of it, of course, just coming from being with my daughter and her children, is that patience that means that suffering of getting up in the night with a newborn, the, tenter- mm-hmm. the temper tantrums of a two-year-old or a four-year-old, all of these things suffered for the good of the other to help to draw them closer to Christ, which is in, in line with a good behavior. It is a suffering. I mean, parents of young children do suffer, um, but it's a redemptive suffering. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, it also implies that there is something you're hoping for, right? That you're not patient with something that you're not expecting to change at some point, right? That you don't, and so it gets to that point of like, you're not just tolerating something for the long haul. Like you, it's never going to change. I, I don't, it, there's a, this aspect of the theological virtue of hope as part of patience, where because you have hope of a good that is to come, you're able to defer the gratification of receiving that good. And so when we get to that point point of talking about what does it mean to be patient in my life and do I struggle with patience? If so, is that situational? Is it like across the board? And looking at those things and wondering, okay, if I'm recognizing that there are areas in my life that I really do struggle to be patient, getting to that place of examining why, Mm -hmm. is it a matter of maybe there's a certain sensuality that you don't want to experience the discomfort of a deferred good? Or is it a place of despair 
where you can't be patient because you don't have any true hope that the good is going to come. Right, right. Well, one of the things I want to add into that, we because when you say patience, we usually immediately think of patience with other people. That's the right, natural yeah. thing of it. But I have to say, I I do okay with patience with others. I am terrible with patience for myself, especially when it comes to interior life and growth. Oh, that evil one just gets in there and says, see, mm-hmm. if you were holier, you'd be doing X, Y, Z. If you were really authentically Catholic, you would be X, Y, Z, which mm-hmm. is really kind of nonsense. Like, oh, I thought, I, I thought I'd be better than this. I thought I would have handled that better. Mm-hmm. Um, those kinds of things. So I find it the most difficult to be patient with myself and as I'm trying to grow and reaching towards holiness. Yeah, and I think also to throw into the mix the the third party that we often talk about, which is God. And how often do we struggle to be patient with God? Mm. You know, I know that his timing, especially his, yeah, his, his, certainly his timing. And I think a lot of times this idea of patience has to do with timing, right? It has to do with when am I going to get what I want, or when is the circumstance going to be how I want it, and when are they going to forgive me? When am I going to forgive them? Yeah. And there's just this idea of, you know, I want to know. See that I would say in my Mm -hmm. own life, Mm -hmm. the patience with God has been one of the biggest struggles because just classic for me is the Lord, I want to do your will. Just tell me what it is. Tell me what it is. I want to know right now. I want to do it. I want to do it. And it's like this idea that, you know, if only you just show me exactly what you want me to do, I'll go ahead and do it. But I don't, all this waiting on the Lord stuff, I'm not sure I like love that, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But I think just as we have to look at this idea where, you know, it says in scripture, it is not that we first loved God, but that God first loved us. We have to remember, how can we be patient with others, ourselves? or even God, if we don't understand how patient he is with us. Mm. I mean, honestly, isn't the whole Old Testament pretty much a huge example of God just being so patient with with his his people? people? You know, they are messing around. I mean, they are just constantly falling short of, you know, his covenant that they, he established with them of his commands for them. And, you know, again and again and again, falling into idol worship and despair. And and he's just continues to love them, be present to them, you know, may chastise, but only for their good. And there's just so many, you know, you could pull out a hundred verses about Mm -hmm. how God is patient with us and, how, you know, he may have anger for a time, but that he relents and his mercy endures forever. And so if we want to image God in our lives, obviously his patience is one of the the most evident attributes that he shows us in Holy Scripture. So you want to know the definition of it from a Catholic worldview or perspective? The ability to wait calmly... The capacity to accept delay without getting angry. A quality or trait that most people consider to be morally good or desirable in a person. That doesn't say what it is. But more, <laughs> more, more or less, capacity to accept delay without getting angry. You know what? 
It's interesting because when you followed up that most people consider a moral good. Mm -hmm. Honestly, are we really in a place where that's starting not to be seen as a moral good? Because, you know, when you see, you know, all these movements or, you know, equality now, you know, Mm -hmm. when do we want it now? Like, you know, what are we going to do to make it happen? Ah, You know, all this sort of protesting and, you know, burning down things and destroying things and, and all in the, this idea that we want to accomplish some perceived social good in a radical, immediate kind of way, it really seems to be that there's a lot of um, honor, in a way, being given to impatience. Right. Well, that's no no surprise given our culture is getting so far away from God. Um, but also we want to talk about like, as you said, you just gave some really great examples of public impatience, mm-hmm. the destruction, anything that's destructive we know is really not from God. But let's talk about some public expressions that we can exhibit of patience. Like, what does that look like to really exhibit patience in the public square? Okay, I have one. I have one. Okay. Okay. Classic example, the grocery line. <laughs> the grocery okay. line. I, I, who, I mean, it's like, oh my gosh, there's no lines open. I'm gonna have to wait forever <laughs> until they get their groceries done. Mm-hmm. And then you get someone who has a problem with a coupon right. or something. Right or the <laughs> dreaded check writer. Who's writing checks at the grocery <laughs> store? What is that all about? Yeah. Yeah. But and the happens. other one, driving on the roads. You're driving mm. very impatient with people yeah. who are rude, discourteous, or otherwise ignorant. I mean, you know, yeah. I was uh, just talking about that with somebody recently about the whole phenomenon of letting somebody in the lane mm-hmm. because it actually happened to me today where I forgot where I was that a lane that I thought would go straight was actually a left turn only. And so I needed to go straight and I was not going to turn left (laughs) at that point and loop back back around. So maybe my own impatience that I'm not going to loop back around says I need to get in the other lane. Right. And so I I have developed a little technique for how to make that happen when you're at a stop site. Sorry, stoplight. So what you do is you turn on the signal that you're going to turn in the lane. You creep as far forward and into that other lane as far as possible to make your intention as clear as it gets. (laughs) And as the light turns, you start moving forward and the person behind you pretty much has to give way. But then once they do that, I make the vigorous wave in the mirror to indicate, thank you so much that you have allowed me in. And I, I, you know, try not to do that. I try to be able to figure out what lane I'm supposed to be in fast enough. But because I know that I get into that situation sometimes and I have a plan about how I'm going to get into the other lane, when I see somebody else put their turning signal on that they need to get over, I don't make them have to do that kind of maneuver. I clearly give them the space Mm -hmm. and it actually gives me joy to be patient, to let them in acknowledging I find myself in that situation numerous times and I'm not trying to be a jerk. I just made a mistake. Yeah. And to, to offer that sort of assumption of 
not that they're trying to jump in front of the line or anything, but just, you know what? They made a mistake and to have the mercy to let them in. So in that example is sort of kind of coming up in me is if we want to be more patient in our daily lives, a good way to start that is to start recognizing how much patience you need mm. from other people exactly. because of the ways we just mess up we like do. without intending to, we're not trying to be a pain, but you know, stuff happens. Mm-hmm. And, and when you recognize how good it feels when somebody just without any angstiness or negativity, it's okay. You know, go in, come in. Or, you know what, don't worry about it. I know, I recognize that maybe you didn't see that this grocery line said 15 items or less and you've got about 30. Maybe you didn't notice that. It's okay. It's okay, right. You know? Yeah, I like, I like what you're saying there because I can't, I've read it recently. It was probably a Jacques Philippe thing who, who always says, you know, to assume the good of the other. Like mm-hmm. you would assume, oh, it probably was just an accident. Right. Like you're not going to... Um, assume a, a bad, uh, you know, a yeah. evil behavior. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter if it is or not. It can, you can maintain your peace and your patience longer when you, okay, they probably just were unaware. They weren't paying as close attention as they should have perhaps, but you know, show them some mercy. That's another part. That's the other side of patience is being yeah, merciful. I think it's a big part of patience. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, and, and that expands to even things that are much more significant than just driving or the grocery line. So say, for example, you've got somebody who is really ugly about the Catholic faith. Okay, so timely thing. Just the other day, this past weekend, was when the whole, the whole thing with the L.A. Dodgers baseball team honoring this just group of individuals who call themselves the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, and they do a lot of actions that are blatantly blasphemous and mocking and just yucky towards the Catholic faith. And while justified anger for that behavior is certainly legitimate, as it relates to how we think about those people in our hearts on a way that can be ordered towards patience is instead of saying, you evil, awful haters who are going to hell for your blasphemy, a patient heart says, you know what? I don't think they probably really understand completely what the Catholic faith is, yeah. what we truly believe about loving others and the truth of human sexuality right. that is rooted in love, right, not right. in hatred. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Yeah. And, and I think that's a thing. Like mm-hmm. patients can come out of that place of forgiveness or even if it's not forgiveness necessarily because if you're not feeling it as like a personal affront that you need to forgive but it's simply that that says I don't understand exactly where they're coming from and where how they came to the beliefs that they come to but I'm going to try to assume that it didn't come from a place of hatred well no I mean me simple I see it as like at a, a place of extreme woundedness that this is the fester and the pussing of the woundedness that they've experienced in their lifetime and, and this is the way they think to express it and that's the only way they know like I, I 
I personally just get nauseous. I couldn't even watch some of the videos that kept popping up. And mm-hmm. I was yeah, like, this hurt me about so it. Yeah. bad. I know I didn't spend much time on it at all because I didn't want to give it. It just, it hurt me. It's like, you know, it's the Sacred Heart Month. My heart ached for Christ, mm-hmm. ached for him that this is happening on such a acceptable level, I guess, yeah. to have him at a huge stadium like that. It's crazy. You know, so, I think that because you're kind of talking about your heart and how you're feeling and that's kind of like in, in, in me, it's kind of like bringing up some feelings. So why don't we take a pause and do a temperature check? Okay. So what was coming up with me as you were talking about how you were feeling and I was thinking about this question of, emotions that rise up when you feel like somebody has really been derogatory or hateful towards something that you love. Mm-hmm. And there's this part of me that there's, there's a certain resistance to the idea of patience because I'm like, wait a second, should I just like, does patience mean not speaking out? Does it mean not? Tolerance. Yeah. Does patience and tolerance and, and, and just just sort of this, that sort of righteous anger mm. that rises up and how can in my heart, I kind of bring those two together. How do I live in the truth of righteous anger towards a really negative thing and yet still be patient? Mm-hmm. Because sometimes those emotions are so strong. Like that you just, you want to lash out because it, it hurts. Like, just like you're saying, like, you know, some people can, I think often, maybe if you're, if someone's not very religious or not really super sold out in their faith, they maybe able can relate to it more. If say somebody were saying terrible, awful things about your child using their image to do just gross sexual things to it and everything and like how much you would be angry and disgusted and want to lash out. Right. Like, and that's how I feel about the Lord and my, and the church that he created. Like my response to that kind of thing goes to that visceral level. Mm -hmm. And what does patience look like in that place of super strong emotion? And I think what is really coming to my hard about that is again that sort of separating the actions from the actors because it's so easy to shift from I hate that behavior to I hate the person doing it and it when anytime you take you sort of steal the dignity of another person with that kind of negativity in your heart like towards them you're got you're not going to be patient so I think for me, what it would mean is I'm going to say that their actions are terrible, but I understand that I don't know them. Mm -hmm. I don't know what they have experienced. I don't know the wounds that they're carrying. And I'm not going to speak out against them as people, but about the actions. So to really focus on what the actions are and and really try to keep those people, you know, that sort of generalization. But that has to happen, not just in my speech, but in my heart too. And I think we have to do a gut check a lot of times because I'm going to admit 
there are times within me that there does well up this thing that's an, an animus towards the people. Mm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess a temperature check for me, um, I think I'm going to segue it to the next kind of way, because w- w- when I think about patients in general, I think about the times people have been impatient with me. Mm. Like they've been very impatient with me personally or that person that's shown me great. And I want to say it's mercy when I've done something that legitimately would make them. I think I think of this as a as when I was a child, like um, in the, I'm a parent's car. They've got a brand new car. They've got, you know, very light colored upholstery. And I and I spill a big red on it. Right. Uh-huh, I'm right. getting red all over there. And my, I just think, oh, my goodness, I've done something really awful. I mean, of course, it was an accident. But when they're like, you know, these things happen, let's just try and clean it up together. Mm -hmm. That to me is so merciful than opposed to the person who just goes and flies off the handle yelling, I can't believe you did that. Mm -hmm. This is so horrible. It's going to be ruined forever. You see that negative, (laughs) negative rabbit hole. So I I like for me, that temper check really is thinking of people in a positive light that have treated me with patients, you know, Mm -hmm. like. Let's flip it around and start to talk about what it's like to receive another person's patience, which I say can be a lot like mercy. Oh, yeah. And you know what you're bringing up, I think, in a way is actually kind of the same thing that I'm saying, because when a person does that, when they say, you know what, it's okay, these things happen, we can help, we can clean it up together. What they're doing is they're focusing on how you feel over what happened. Mm-hmm. So whatever the circumstance was, the action or the mistake or whatever, right. instead of having that be the focus, they're moving the focus onto the heart of the other and how they may be feeling. And if we do that, if we start putting ourselves more in the position of the other person, just kind of like me recognizing, hey, you know, I need to change lanes sometimes too. Um, it it really can help us in that place. So in other words, we're putting ourselves in the shoes of the other to trying to put ourselves in the shoes of the other, knowing that we don't fully understand, which I think, you know, as we move more to talk about patients and personal relationships, um, a lot of times I think we make too many assumptions about why a person believes or acts away. Right. So we can get inflamed in our mind. Yeah, for sure. You know, I'm thinking of the verse from, it's for in Ephesians chapter four, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with another yes. one another in love. Yes. And that humility, the, the, the word humility mm. as part of patience, I think is huge because what you're saying is have the humility to understand that you may not understand. Exactly. Right. You know, the other aspect to patience that I think is uh such a great way to frame it as well. So this is more like abandonment to God's providence. We think about that. Circumstances happened. They look pretty terrible or or whatnot, mm-hmm. but that God's allowed it. I like to replace the word patience with surrendering mm-hmm. to God's will. Like, okay, he's either ordained it or allowed it for a God-given reason or purpose for my my betterment. Let me accept it. Let me just fully accept it. So it's a surrender to what he's allowed instead of, I can't believe it. You know, just right, the inflamed yeah. part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think also 
you know, I'm, I'm kind of starting to think back about towards the beginning of the episode when you were saying one of the, the place that you probably struggle with patients the most is patience with yourself. Amen. And I think it's so common that people who do struggle with patience with themselves often have trouble with patience with others. Because if you're so used to being hard on yourself for every little thing, you can often then just transfer that to other people. You know, I'm going to parse ways with you here. I mean, I know that's not how you respond to it, but it is actually common. And I'll tell you why, though. Why? If you're a person that struggles with any bit of sensuality or vanity, that's how you're going to see it. You're going to give somebody else a lot of mercy because you want to receive it. Someone that has a more of an abundance of a pride that's going to be kind of like what you just said. You, yes, I would say that, but yeah. I would say that it's temperament. A temperament will define it. Yeah, but it can mean it definitely mean that you that can predispose you to impatience. See, the thing is, is that the, often people who appear to have a lot of pride are actually deeply insecure. And they're oh, constantly yeah. in a process yeah. of trying to build themselves up. And what can then happen is because they're constantly focused on how hard they are working to feel worthwhile, to feel that they are worthy, that if they see somebody else who, don't, who they don't think is working hard to become better, to be more virtuous, to whatever, there can be this place within their hearts that says... You should be trying harder. Yes. Why are you such a slacker? Why aren't you doing what you say you believe? Like, and you know, I, I'll honestly believe it. there's sometimes there's sometimes in my heart that I have to fight that because there's me you know, too. I have very much you know spent time beating myself up for not being as virtuous as I think I should be. Right, regardless oh, yes. of what God thinks about it, because I know how virtuous I should be. <laughs> right, because right, God right. deserves it. Whether yeah. he's asking for it or not, he deserves it because I know, right? And that's well, pride. You know, it is it's also that concupiscence that we just yeah. got to fight it all the time. It's just a battle. Yeah. But, you know, what I find in me that happens sometimes is, you know, I can see somebody who professes to be a devout Catholic. And if they're clearly doing stuff that's contrary to how I perceive, you know, that Catholic faith should be lived, I'm like... I'm over here working my rear end off, trying mm -hmm. to live out this faith. What are you doing? Like, what's your problem? Yeah. You, how come you can't get it together? Like, I'm not proud of that. Yeah. But the reality is, is that creeps in me sometimes. And that's yeah. an impatience with them. And I think, again, we have to come back to this idea of God's patience for us. If we don't continually have that in the forefront of our right. mind, we're not going to be able to function in a place of being patient with ourselves or patient with each other. Right. And Megan, I really want to emphasize in this section, since, you know, our show is all about relationships. And I think about, you know, our relationship or our close uh, family member relationships, that oftentimes patience really is giving that person the benefit of the doubt or asking and starting to know the whole story about why they behave the way they did or if it is that much of an issue. Why, why are they behaving the way they do? What's behind it and how can we get to the bottom of it? That kind of patience, I think, is when we try to have some kind of resolution to understand the other and put ourselves in their shoes again. Yeah. Yeah, so I wanted to bring in a verse from Second Peter 
chapter 3, verse 9, it says, The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some think of slowness, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. Mm. And so that, you know, just really touches me because that idea, as some think of slowness, <laughs> and it, it gets to perspective, you know, this idea of what is it, what is slowness even as it relates to, you know, to God. Yeah. <laughs> Peter also says, you know, a day for the Lord is like a thousand years, yes. a thousand years, like a day. So right. this understanding of, <laughs> have you ever seen uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory? Yes. Okay. So one of the Baruch Assault, you remember Baruch Assault? She's a British girl. Mm-hmm. I love to quote her. Uh, from that or she, her catchphrase was but i want it now oh, yes right and i think we function in life so much like that yeah whether it's whether it's the good or our own sensual pleasure or just so many things i want it now i want it now and when we function in that place of demanding things on our own timetable that's going to be the root of impatience right? because everything then is going to seem slow. But Lord, but like you said, just as you were saying that surrender that God is working, mm-hmm. that, that his will is being played out. If we can stay in that place, then we can understand what I want is happening. If it's ordered towards God's will. And if my will is ordered towards him, then what I want is his will. So his will is happening. If my will is ordered towards his will, what I want then is happening. And it's happening at the pace it should happen because it's his timing, not mine. That's right. Wait upon the Lord. That's right. Like you said. So, okay, to wrap this up, let's talk about some practical tips to grow impatience. Do you have some? I have maybe what one I've already disclosed, and that is switching the word patience with surrendering to God's holy will. Like, Okay. Patient was a situation. The driver. Oh, well, one of the things I do about driving is when someone is like, dri- I have this thing or I get behind people that are driving 10 miles an hour under the speed limit. This mm-hmm. happens to me very often. And so instead of getting angry or agitated, I now start to think, well, maybe this is an angel who's making me slow down because there's an accident up ahead. And mm-hmm. I'm like, you know what I'm saying? Right, so it's, right. I'm putting this little positive spin on right. it, you know? Sure. Um, and doing it that way, like to try and surrender or really think of a positive, what, what good does, does God mm-hmm. want to come out of a situation? Yeah. You know, and think about that in personal relationships too. Okay, God's led us to this encounter of conflict for our growth. How can I grow from this conflict? And how can I show mercy? That's another thing I would say too. How can I, to be patient is to show and give mercy yeah, I think those all are good things. I kind of look at it as, you know, the verse that comes to mind regarding it is if you're faithful in small things, you'll be faithful in large things. And I also have a, a strong sense of the importance of kind of mortification of the flesh. Mm-hmm. as it, And so this is something that I think you can grow in patience by being intentional about working on patience. And the way you work on patience is to intentionally put yourself in situations where, you know, you tend to be impatient and they can start with small things. 
where you, you know, maybe you're going into the grocery store and for some reason there's a number of things in the grocery store when you're driving, like we talked about, that tend to make you impatient. To actually intentionally go into those circumstances with the mindset, I'm going to look for opportunities to express patience. I'm even going to put myself in a situation where I'm going to have to exhibit it. Say, for example, the grocery store, actually pick the longer line or pick the line that's got the person, you know, in the little cart, you know, or the one with the get behind the mom with four screaming kids or pick the slowest checker. Exactly. And and so actually choose it so that you can practice it so that as you practice it, you become more accustomed to what it feels like to submit yourself to the discomfort of impatience rising in you, dealing with it in a holy way. Mm-hmm. And as you desensitize yourself to that, it will start taking more and more significant things to actually move you towards impatience. And that that's, I feel like, a really practical way to grow impatience, but it takes a, a definite degree of intentionality to say, you know what? It's important to me to grow in this virtue. I recognize the areas where I struggle, and now I'm going to take practical steps to endure discomfort in order to achieve a greater good that I'm desiring and trust that the Lord's grace will be in that. So to add on to that and to kind of wrap this up too, when you are impatient, we'll take from scripture, count it all joy, Mm. opportunity for growth. Amen. Yeah, and ultimately... One of the, I think what I wanted to leave it all on, because what we're all really, really impatient for is the fulfillment of all desire, right? That we would have all peace, all joy, all goodness, that beatific vision, right? And so I wanted to end in one verse from James chapter five. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord. Great place to wrap it up. So we'll keep waiting on him Mm -hmm. and we hope that you will be waiting on us and ready for the next episode where we will be talking about, do you remember? Love is patient. Love is kind. kind. Well, until next time, we hope you will remain united with us in prayer. God bless. God bless.